You're listening to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, a show for the creative entrepreneur, the radiant leaders, and the rebels at heart. If you're ready to get radically visible, use your voice, and take up space, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Brittany Hammond, filmmaker, story mentor, and serial entrepreneur. Brand Interrupted means liberating yourself from the conditioning and discerning the many contradictory voices of society, family, friends, media, coaches, gurus, anyone or thing that has fit you into a box of check marks and labels, and instead coming back home to yourself. In this podcast, we are all about appointing yourself as the authority and leader of your life. Embrace yourself unconditionally, strip down to your white hot truth, cultivate self-trust and awaken your confidence within so that you can be your true expression in the world, in your life, your relationships, and your business. Ready for some real, raw, and unfiltered conversations? I'll see you on the other side. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Brand Interrupted Show. This is season four, episode 21, featuring Emily Utter. And this is a really, really juicy conversation, all things consensual sales, self-worth, self-expression. And I'm just so honored to have been able to have this conversation with Emily. And a few of the highlights include untangling your self-worth from your business success. Holy crap, this is huge. How to authentically connect with someone on a sales call while staying in integrity and truly serving them. Debunking the stigma and the myths around selling. A practical exercise to build conviction in what you offer. Guys, this stuff is so good. Navigating having your students or clients turn against you, how your own unique self-expression can help you stand out and make more money, and the importance of building your own audience. And she actually shares a few how-to tips. So Emily Utter is a business coach for adventurous coaches, healers, and service-based entrepreneurs who want to scale their location-independent businesses, and work from anywhere in the world. She works with coaches, healers, consultants to get out of the hustle, stop overgiving, and start growing sustainable income that supports a healthy, happy, freedom-filled lifestyle. And I gotta say, Emily is such a perfect dose of love and compassion with a little punch of tough love. So we actually want to invite you into this conversation. So come and find us on Instagram or Facebook or in the Facebook group called My Next Level Self with Brittany Hammond, because we want to know what your takeaways are. We want to know, do you agree? Do you disagree? Where are you struggling with sales? Do you feel like your self-worth is completely tangled up in your business success and how much money you make? Let us know. We want to help you navigate this. With that being said, let's dive in. I am really, really excited today to bring to you Emily. We have been chatting for a few months now, wanting to get this episode out. So really excited. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited for this. (laughs) Okay, so I'm just going to dive right in. And I want to give, just because you and I don't know each other, but even for the audience, a little backstory. This is going to segue into our theme today, which is all around like speaking your truth, self-expression, and the power of sales. 
So, whew, loaded topic. Um, when I was 18 years old, I launched my first business and it was a window cleaning business. And I used to have to go around and cold call, super fun, <laughs> like knocking on doors, residential neighborhood here or in Canada. And what my business coach taught me when I was 18 to master your sales was to build rapport and address the potential, um, what do you call those? Uh, not the pain points, objections. That's kind of like the system that you were taught. And I did really well because there's only so many objections you can have for cleaning your windows. And I'm really good with connecting with people. Fast forward five years, I start this business in film and branding and suddenly everything is all about me and I'm suddenly, I suck at sales. <laughs> so something that I had to overcome, which it took me honestly five years to realize, oh, I have to love myself. I have to believe in my mission and I have to believe in, in the transformation and the results that I can get my clients. So I'm curious, Emily, just because you're an expert in sales, this is really like your zone of genius. Where do most women get stuck when they're trying to share their services and sell themselves? Well, first of all, I love your story. Um, I'm trying to picture you as this go-getter 18-year-old knocking on doors. And the story you shared is so common. And I actually have the same story, but in a different context, which is uh, before I started this company, I had an environmental consulting company. And one of my clients was a reusable bag company. And I would do sales for them. And I would show up to the different stores and these were really cool bags. You could like squish them into a little pouch. We had so many colors and I just lay these babies out and I was so proud and it was so easy to sell them because I was able to hide behind somebody else's brand. Yes. And that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Like you could hide behind, I've got the best squeegee. I've got the best yes. clean, clean, cleaning spray, like whatever it is. Right. But then all of a sudden when we get out there and we have to say to the world, uh, I can change your life and I'd love for you to pay me for that. I don't know if there's anything more vulnerable, maybe parenthood, which I haven't experienced. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that I think not just women, but really all genders come up against, when, especially if they've had the experience of selling something else and then now they have to sell themselves. And so there is that fear and there's just, I mean, it's crazy the amount of emotions that people weave and get tied up in knots around when it comes to sales. And it's a huge part of what we do in my own sales training is, you know, we've even had calls that go hours long where I'm just asking my clients, share your triggers, share your triggers, what's coming up for you on the phone? Because until you can get through that stuff, you're not going to be powerful selling. And it really doesn't matter if you're selling over the phone or through a sales page or Facebook messenger, it really doesn't matter where you're selling because when we have our energy super funky around selling our stuff. People can feel that and it's communicated energetically, subconsciously. Yeah. And one of the exercises that we do in my sales program is I really invite my clients to step into what that conviction really feels like. And mm -hmm. I make them write 50 reasons, which is hard for them to write 50 of why their stuff is amazing. Wow. And they just, they just have to force themselves to sit down and do it. They get ideas from each other. Um, but yeah, what you're speaking to is really common. And I think it's a practice and a process to be 
that confident. It's funny because men don't seem to struggle with this as much as women. Um, in fact, a friend made a joke yesterday. She saw some meme that said, you know, something along the lines of, hey, ladies, you know, you really should have the confidence of a mediocre white dude because men without a lot of talent, and there's plenty of very, very talented men out there, but also men without a lot of talent seem to think they're really amazing at what they do. And, you know, women, we got to like pick up on a little bit of that swagger because we are amazing. And so often we're hiding our gifts and how good we are at what we do and how much we can help people. Yeah, I love that. So I have a background, like obviously in film and theater and growing up, I was always doing plays. And so for me, like selling, even though I don't teach people selling and I probably couldn't explain the process because for me it's intuitive, but like whenever I was promoting plays, it's like you really had to get people on board and like sell the idea. So like my, I was always the kid getting everyone to come to my shows growing up. Um, and I really learned how to build a community around the message. And then the second it became me, like, I love what you said, because it's like, I can change people, people's lives, but it felt really audacious. And like, how can you make that claim? And then, I don't know, maybe you've seen this pattern play out before where you end up attracting what your beliefs are. So you end up attracting mm -hmm. the clients that either aren't going to do the work. They're not like the right clients per se. And that was me for like probably the first three years of my business. Like I would attract people that it probably was my fault because I wasn't charging enough, but like I was that typical undercharger over deliverer because I thought that way I could never be criticized. Mm, I was always yeah. over giving and I was always like the cheapest. Um, that's not actually true. People <laughs> will still like, you know, speak their voice and, uh, and, and be over demanding. <laughs> well, so we have a phrase in my community, which is high end, low maintenance, low end, high maintenance. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who has a $30 product. We had lunch over the weekend and she was telling me just people are insane and they paid 30 freaking dollars for this thing. Whereas, you know, pretty much anyone who pays 30 grand to be in a mastermind is going to be very well behaved and actually more grateful. Yeah. Or for whatever you have to offer. It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge lesson I had. I don't know why I had this belief, but I always thought that like film was like a male dominated industry. So like as a woman, I didn't actually learn how to operate the camera until I was like 25 years old, which I thought mm. in my head, I perceived that as old because yeah. I thought, you know, twenties when all the success happens. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it's all these like lies that we, that we tell ourselves. And, um, I'm curious, like, what would you say to the woman? What, how do you help someone like detangle their self-worth from their ability to make sales? Cause that's like, mm -hmm. I know yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So something came to mind earlier while you were speaking that I wanted to make sure that I say that is connected to this which is often we'll find ourselves, and this will be a major sales block, we'll find ourselves in the mode of trying to protect ourselves from the discomfort of selling or the discomfort of like really going there with someone, you know, when they have an objection or something like that. Um, and so um, what I find can be really powerful is continuously reframing the focus back on the people we want to serve and who we're meant to help. 
Um, otherwise, when we're self-focused just on what we want to get or how uncomfortable we feel or how something is triggering us, it's kind of muddying the waters of everything that we're trying to do because we're making it awkward for the client, the potential client. And then, you know, we generally will not end up enrolling a client when we're in that space of like, oh, I feel weird selling. Yeah. So in terms of kind of untangling the worthiness though with the sales, I mean, that's tricky. And um, I know that you and I are both truth, truth tellers. And I'll be honest that, you know, I've had to do my own personal work on that too, where, you know, as successful as my company is, um, you know, I have and, and still sometimes do tie my worthiness to the success of my company or how much money I'm bringing in or even the results that my clients are getting. And what I think is really important for anyone in our world is we have to be constantly doing our own healing work and personal development. Um, and I say that, and I also want to add a little disclaimer, which is I think some people go way off the deep end with personal development. And it's like, there's this constant fixing and healing and like people can't sit and have a normal fun conversation. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. if you live in a community um, like where I do, where there's like all these spiritual people and all of that. But yeah. um, you know, I always tell my own clients because obviously I do business coaching, but I tell my clients, listen, I'm not everything that you need and you need to be working with a therapist or a spiritual coach or a personal coach or investing in personal development programs on top of the work that you do with me. Cause I'm here to help you sort your money and your business. And yes, we talk about emotional things, but you yeah. know, entrepreneurship is really intense. And I honestly am dismayed a bit by what I see on social media because from a branding perspective, none of us want people, well, I shouldn't say none of us because I know you and I both kind of share the real stuff too, but um, it just isn't as sellable to be like, wow, today's a shit show of a day. Like people aren't posting that stuff on social, right? And so what I find is that a lot of people that are newer in the industry come in with this false belief that all I need is a laptop, an Instagram account, and a few Facebook followers, and next thing you know, I'm going to have a business. And they don't realize that they're going to have their heart ripped open a thousand and one times. <laughs> a year, you know, as they're, as they're growing the business. So, um, I find it's really helpful to just come back to the thing that we all know, but forget so easily that our worthiness comes from who we are, not what we do, not what we create. And that, that deep self love is an ongoing practice. And to actually learn how to speak back to that voice inside of us that might tell you something like, oh, that launch sucked. You must not know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But instead to shift it to, I love myself, even though that really didn't go as planned. And now what can I learn? And yeah. then the other thing I want to say too, because this is a whole rant that you've probably seen, because I know we've been Facebook friends for a while, but there are a lot of women out there beating themselves up thinking they're not high vibe enough or they didn't manifest properly or whatever. And they're actually missing critical skill sets. Yeah. You know, there are things that you and I had to learn in order to make money and you don't learn those just any old place. And I'm a huge fan of the spirituality stuff. I'm a huge fan of the mindset work. I invest in all of it ongoing. I mean, tens of thousands of a year I invest in mindset and spirituality um, mm -hmm. for myself, but none of that would do jack for me if I didn't know how to make money, meaning like the practical things. 
So yeah. I want to make sure that your audience hears that too, that it's a both and, and, you know, it pains me. Like I just see these women online, like, I don't know, like nothing's working. And I'm like, well, babes, has anyone taught you how to sell? Has anyone taught you how to make a program that people want to buy? Has anyone taught you how to build your audience? Like it's not basically what I'm like boiling it down to is it's not the magic that it appears to be on Instagram and people are putting very curated um, information out there because who wouldn't want to buy that, right? Like if I said to you in my audience, like, hey, I can help you build a six-figure business in 90 days and it's going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. People would buy that. But people who actually know that it's not true will know that's complete bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's so funny you brought this up because I actually had this in my notes and I think, I think it was this post because I was looking for like a series of, of guests and I think it was this post. I can't remember the title now, but it was like, sometimes it's not, there's not a spiritual meaning behind yes. failure or something like along those lines. And yeah. I love the way you framed it because, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, but it was something like, um, or maybe you can better tell the story. Someone like had, was trying to find this whole meaning behind something not sure. working. Like you were just, yeah. is it me? Well, <laughs> so I'm in a Facebook group for a program that I'm invested in and there's hundreds of people in there. And there was a guy who was, you know, frustrated about clients not paying on time, which right. is totally understandable and really not cool. Like y'all, we got to be the type of clients we want. We got to pay on time and handle our shiz. And everyone was like, going all into his mindset and what could have possibly attracted that? And I was like, bro, are you set up to get recurring credit card payments automated? And he was like, no. And it was this like whole new piece of information, you know? And it's like, it's not that it isn't helpful to look at our mindsets and why we attract things. Of course I believe in that. And I do this work myself. Um, but you know, in this case, it was like, there was just a very practical piece of his business that wasn't handled. And yeah. he it didn't need him to go journal and do a plant medicine to understand why he attracted this. It's just like, oh, dude, just handle your systems. You'll be fine. I love that you're bringing this up because that was kind of like, and I think you'll really resonate with this, but the first business I ever ran, it was a franchise. It, it's still your own business, sole proprietorship, but you're essentially taught the system. And basically, if you follow the system and work hard, you'll get the results. Now, not everyone succeeds. Um, mm -hmm. I had a $15,000 startup fee just to start this business. And I was yeah. 18 paying for college, but anyways, um, so there was a risk. <laughs> this was not like a whoo, fun thing. Um, and I always like, I used to be really anti-systems in this business because I'm like, oh, well, mm -hmm. I'm this, I'm flowing. Well, especially as a projector, oh my gosh. <laughs> But like that, like I do believe systems and structures work in business. I think it's people's mindset and baggage, so to speak, that trips them up. But like it, if um, someone said like, if you post your offer every day for 90 days, given you have an audience of some type, someone's going to buy, like someone <laughs> is going to see your offer, but like, yeah. You'll tell someone to do that for 90 days and like on day four, they're like, oh, I didn't get any, any likes. So I don't want to post again. They have all the mental drama that comes up. Right. So I love that you brought this up. Um, so 
I have a question about when you're, when you're doing discovery calls. And I think this is also something where people get stuck on how to be authentic, like how to actually serve the client and really like, especially anything in the realm of like life coaching or health and wellness, anything that you're really dealing with someone's like inner being, it's like you're coming up against their inner demons. So how do you stay maybe authentic not, within integrity? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. Helping. Well, so good. <laughs> okay. Well, you're asking a question that is everyone's deepest fear, right? Cause everyone that I work with is heart centered. Everyone wants to make a difference. I'm not working with people out slinging like random software insurance or, you know what I mean? So everyone I work with has this deeper fear of basically what you're getting at is, well, what if I take it too far? Um, which was my fear too. And first of all, to even have that fear is a good indicator because it means you're not just steamrolling in and just, you will do whatever it takes to get a credit card. That's not what this is about. But the sales conversation, that initial conversation where you're seeing if you're a fit to work together is that person's first experience of you as you potentially being their coach. And what I think people really desperately want is someone who's going to be real with them. And you and I talked about this before we hit, you know, the recording yeah. about how we're not sugar coders. And I think ultimately what people want is to be held in that space where truth can be told. And so one of the things I talk about a lot is how the objections that someone presents to becoming your client, let's imagine they really like you and what your offer is, right? Because otherwise we're talking about a whole different conversation, but let's just pretend for this moment that you're a relationship coach and you've just offered me um, a year long program to work with you. And then I object that I don't want to spend a year doing this work. Well, there's the obvious right there is I have commitment and intimacy issues. Right. And so that would be your invitation right there to, to just really ask me, can I reflect to you um, what that means to me when I hear something like that? And then you lovingly speak truth to me, which yeah. is what I want because I want the relationship, right? I don't want you to bullshit me and tell me he's just around the corner. And if I just draw another picture and burn some sage, it's all going to come together, right? Yeah. And I think it's about the space that we hold. And again, this is where I would really invite people to focus on the potential client because when you're worrying about you and what are they going to think, you actually take yourself out of being of service. And again, it's that person's first experience of how you are and who you will be for them. And it's not my favorite thing to do, to be really honest with a client. Like it isn't. Um, I've had to tell clients that their offer was bad or that I don't see them as qualified to sell what they were trying to sell. You know, I've had to have some really difficult conversations, but ultimately they trust the crap out of me because I'm willing to say those things. So I think when your intention is clean and your intention isn't crap, I really need to pay rent this month. When your intention is clean and you can lovingly hold that space for the person, that's what they've been deeply craving. So I don't, I don't find it out of integrity. In, fa in fact, I find it out of integrity to not be on honest. I find it out of integrity to sugarcoat. Yeah. Um, because by the time someone's gotten on the phone with you for whatever issue they have, they have cried over it. They have had pain over it. They have agonized over it already, regardless of what it is, whether it's their weight, love, money. 
Yeah. Like we agonize over these things. And so they're just like dying for someone who can say, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can help you, babe. Like, here's yeah. what I see. Yeah. And you know what, on the flip side of that, cause I was just working with um, a money coach and sometimes on the other side, like we don't always know how to one, express ourselves to say no. And there's so many things that could play into this. Like they might not believe that that person can help them, but they don't right. know. So you'll default um, to, well, I just don't have the money. And mm -hmm. one of the empowering things that this money coach taught me is to empower yourself to say, I'm choosing not to invest in this right now. Right. And it's so funny because this happened to me uh, just a week ago, I was on a discovery call and the work is so fascinating. It's all about body wisdom. And I know I'm going in that direction. I have a lot of like, um, traumas that I need to heal in my nervous system and I'm going there, but mm -hmm. I just felt like I'm just not ready. Yeah. But like, I'm at peace with that decision. Like I know mm -hmm. I'll get there. And it was yeah. so empowering to have that opportunity to voice that versus just saying like, Oh, I don't have the money. Because mm -hmm. it's I, never about the money. Yeah, it's never about the money. And I think people just, um, I think we disempower ourselves by using that as like a scapegoat when like, if we really want something, we're going to make it happen. Like, absolutely. So, so what happens then if someone, um, it's not that they don't believe in the coach, but they don't believe in themselves enough to get the results. Like, how do you... Yeah. So that's a conversation to have. Yeah. Um, and it's about helping them uncover that and, and go deeper into that and also helping them see that they're not alone. I mean, it's funny because what I see happens so often for my own mastermind is there's people who want to be in it, but they, in their head, somehow they're different or separate from the other women in the program. And so I will often share you know, like where people started from and, and that they went through that too. And I think people want to know that they're not alone in that thinking. And I find it's helpful to also have a plan for how to deal with that. Right. So like, um, you know, an example for me, I'll just keep using the love example. Cause that's very present in my life that I really desire partnership. Mm -hmm. And so the most recent love coach that I worked with that was one of the things we talked about in our enrollment conversation was my belief system. And then she helped me see how we would address that in our work together. And so, you know, for me, what I could let someone know is, yeah, and here's how we'll, we'll be able to support you with this. We have an on-staff energy healer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll do a lot of mindset work together. Also being in a community of other people like you is going to naturally help your mindset. So, um, not pretending it doesn't exist, but actually, you know, helping them kind of understand where that's coming from and, and own it yeah. um, and own that it's not about the money for them and own that it's their own fear, but then help them also see, well, this is what's going to be possible. And these are the results that people just like you have had and actually asking them to step up. So at least in the money conversation for me, whenever I'm enrolling someone in my programs, we're having that conversation of, you know, are you really ready to implement? Because if you're not ready to come in and do the work, then we definitely shouldn't work together. But if you are ready to come in and do the work, you're going to have to try very hard to fail because people just don't unless they don't show up. So it's kind of like, how do you address it on all of these levels? And then something else I will say, because I know this comes up for people in sales all the time. 
um, and it's become like an Emilyism within my communities. Um, we call it just say the thing, just say the thing. As the person selling, we are constantly thinking and seeing, we're seeing the patterns, we're seeing the blocks, we're seeing the sabotage, but people are terrified to speak it because of what you asked me about earlier of like, oh, well, is it rude or am I pushy or blah, blah, blah. No, um, we have to practice saying the thing and saying, hey, Brittany, can I reflect something to you that I'm seeing right now? Yeah. Right? So that shifts everything. Yeah. It's so funny too, because so I love the way that you so unapologetically just speak your message, like even on social media. And it's so mm-hmm. funny. I wasn't, I didn't know if I was going to mention this cause I, I can't remember the details, but there was like this time, I think it was like a year and a half ago. And I was so triggered by one of your posts. Oh, I hear the soften. Yes. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but I was just like, and I, let me know if you remember which one I would, I would love to know. It was, it was honestly a long time ago, but yeah. You, I commented something and then you responded like genuinely curious. Like you didn't just like brush me off or shame me or something. And I was like, yeah, like, but I don't, I can't remember what it was now, but I just thought it was so funny because I think when we like become aware of our triggers, like, again, this is a year and a half ago. Um, but I think you do such an amazing job at just like, like, I don't know how, this word is kind of thrown around a lot, like unapologetically, but I feel like yeah. you embody that. So thank you. <laughs> welcome. Um, how did you get to this point where you can just speak your truth? Was it, was it natural? Did you mm. go through a process? Like how do you bring your self-expression? Oh my gosh. I have so much to say on this, but you know, it's layers, right? So it's interesting because in many ways I was like this very shy little girl, but like you, I was also in theater actually. And I I studied theater for many years and definitely thought I would be an actress for a certain period of time. Right. The little girl dream. Um, and it's funny because I have these aspects of my personality that don't seem to make sense that they all go in one person. Right. So on the one hand, people experience me as very bold, very unapologetic, but then there's also this kind of like shy and secure side, which of course I've done a lot of work on. But what's interesting is that when I first started coaching, I was very direct with people, Mm. Um, but I hadn't learned how to land it. And I created a lot of kind of like not good relationships with my clients. Let's say that is like the quickest way to say it. And I really had to dive into my own personal development to learn how to communicate in a way that people would be able to hear my message. Um, So that's been a huge part of my journey over the past few years. And then the other thing I'll say about the whole say the thing thing is, you know, I don't know how often you've dealt with this, but especially in group programs, I've found that if you don't address funky dynamics, stuff starts to go really sideways. And like weird resentments can build up and like clients can talk shit behind the scenes. And I had all of that happen. Like as the leader or as a participant? As the leader. That is my, that is my biggest fear. I actually wrote that in my journal this morning. No way. Well, perfect that we're talking about it. You just called this in. So, (laughs) so girl, I've, I've been through it and I lived, I'm here to tell the tale. Um, And now it's like, you have to speak into the elephant in the room because it's too painful not to. And so, I mean, even just last week, I made a video for my clients talking about, hey, 
we all happen to share this one core wound. Of course we attract each other, but that's also going to cause you to project your shit on me, you know? And it's not that I'm not willing to own my mistakes. And I also try to be very upfront that you guys, I'm going to screw up and please don't hold me to a crazy ass standard because it's, you don't want to, you don't want your own clients holding you to this complete perfection. Yes. Integrity. Yes. Being our word and over delivering all of that, but none of us are perfect. And it's, I think it's scary to hold people to that standard, but um, in terms of what allowed me to open up, you know, it's many things. It's, it's, it's needing to escape that pain of having this whole group, not the whole group, but like a big chunk of one of my group programs, like just create like a lot of drama behind the scenes, which someone let me know about. Right. So then having to address that. So some of it was like, how do I move out of this pain, but then also become a more powerful leader and also talk about it so that my clients know that when it comes up for them, because it, it usually will at some point that they've actually seen it modeled and handled. So there's that whole aspect. But then the other thing that you probably know about me because of social is that um, I'm a big Burning Man person. I've been for eight years consecutively now. And, you know, Burning Man really helped me with a lot of aspects of my own self-expression. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot started to change in my business when I gave myself permission to own my personality. So all of these things about me that I, I mean, the first year that I was a coach, I literally thought, oh my gosh, I have to become a person like this other person. I have to be this Zen meditator type person in order to be a coach. And then it's actually Marie Forleo. And I remember seeing that she was like this hip hop girl from Jersey. And I was like, oh, I can actually just be me and this will work. And so, you know, I stopped attracting these boring buttoned up like corporate people. I, I didn't have so many clients like that, but I had a few, you know, and now it's like, I've got, uh, like these funky San Francisco people and, you know, LGBTQ people. And, um, just, I kind of attract all the, you know, the weirdos, alternative people of the world, the, all my clients seem to be coming out of the spiritual closet, but it's because of all these, like, like I couldn't give you one straight answer on that. You know, it's like burning man. It's moving out of pain. It's my own personal development, but also, I don't know about you girl, but like, it is just not fun to do a business when we don't feel like we can be us. Yeah. And you know, the, the clients I attract now are like soul family. I freaking love them. Like when our retreats end, I'm like, please don't go home. Just come over to my house. Like, let's get some bunk beds. Just move in. You know, I just love them so much. But yeah, I mean, it was a process. I've been doing this business now at least five years of just giving myself permission and realizing that that's all anyone ever wanted. And, um, you know, I do know that I trigger some people and even some of the clients who work with me now will tell me like what you told me of, wow, you really triggered me a year ago and now I get it. And I had this one Facebook status go kind of like for me viral, which was, um, it was, it was like a one sentence. It said, ladies, if another woman's success triggers you hire her, she has medicine for you. And it got shared like I don't know, like 40 something times, like for me, like many more likes than ever, like four or 500 likes, you know? Um, some people trigger us because they're just rude assholes, but yeah. other people trigger us because they're calling us to look at that part of ourselves that's still afraid to talk about orgasm or money or whatever the thing is. Yeah. I so, so relate with what you're saying because as I've always had this like double identity. I've always had this identity crisis. I'm like, mm-hmm. 
like being the really serious straight A honor roll like businesswoman and then the artist that like is very like liberal and like all the things like I started um pole dancing this year I recorded Ooh, them. that's so fun yeah I started doing all these things and I was like well if I show up this way then like who's gonna see me as professional and at the same time oh yeah at the same time, I'm like, but my message is to liberate people to just be themselves. Mm-hmm. But I still have clients now. Like I don't, this isn't a regular thing I offer, but I do do content creation or I do, you know, produce brand videos for my clients. So, you know, maybe they don't want to see me half naked dancing on a pole on my Instagram. Like, so I have this like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With what you're saying. Um, I really get that so much, but there's always more, right? Like we're never really in scarcity unless we think that we are. And I have this whole other story, which, you know, I talked about a lot during my express program launch of, I had this colleague, um, who was like, Emily, you're putting on this workshop, but it's connected to your Facebook account. You have a picture of yourself at Burning Man, which obviously I'm in my underwear. And he was like, you really should change your profile photo so that it doesn't show up when you present your event. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And I changed the photo and I look back and I'm just like, oh, poor Emily. Like, why did you do that? You know? And, but, but that story, I think people can really relate to. And now it becomes part of how I sell express, right? Of like, we're still censoring ourselves all the time. And I still censor myself. Like I'm still becoming more bold. And that's why I'd love to come like have these types of conversations because, um, it, it's everything we do is ongoing, right? Anything we're working on personal development. It's not like we get like there, there, like there's more for me to share too. Yeah. Okay. So on this topic, I find that a lot of times, like we'll really emphasize again, like the glamorized entrepreneurship and what it means to be an influencer or a leader. And I feel like we don't really ever talk about the downside. Mm -hmm. You like, and one of them you named was like having people in your program kind of turn against you or I mean, not against you, but like dramas. Oh yeah. You could, you, you could say that. <laughs> so like, what are some other, cause I just love to just like rip this bandaid off and like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like what are some downsides of really being a leader? Cause that's yeah. like mental strength, right? To like, totally. Well, it's kind of funny because I don't know if you're familiar with landmark education, but I did it a million years ago and you know, I've done many, many other types of personal development since, but the thing that I learned there was about, you know, we're responsible for everything. And girl, I freaking hated that truth. I was like, I want to blame my parents. I want to blame this. I want to blame where I'm from. I want to blame that I didn't grow up with money. I want to blame all these things. I want to blame the freaking preppy ass college I went to. I just want to blame everything but me. And, you know, one of the things that's coming to mind is team. And I have, I've had some people be on my team for years, but then there's some people where it's like, I'm just churning through people like every three to six months. And, you know, I remember speaking to someone um, who was a mentor and he was like, it's you. And it was, you know, and I had to really look at, and I still will do crazy things as a leader where I'll like flip out about something that I shouldn't have flipped out about. And that's where I have to like learn to like presence and like, be vulnerable and even be able to say to my team, like, listen, I, I need 
spaciousness in my day or I get really frustrated or, you know, I need my exercise. Like I told you when we were booking this, like I need my exercise every morning. It's non-negotiable and you're going to freaking hate me if I haven't done it because I'm not going to be a good person to work with. And like, for me, that's been really vulnerable of, you know, having to like go up to bat again and again, and just like keep working on myself and becoming a better leader and like crossing my fingers that this hire actually works out. Like, and, and I see that with some of my clients, especially I think type A people can struggle with team because we do have very high standards, but we also kind of dump it on other people. So that's been something that's been challenging for me or just, you know, when I have my own emotional stuff going on and I don't have the bandwidth to show up the way that I would like to. Yeah. This is such a magical conversation because I actually just let go of my VA and it was Mm. a decision and I don't, I think she's amazing. I did not know how to lead her. Like I would almost ask Mm. permission to like, like, would you mind doing this? Well, at this mm. thing where we're just like, please, sorry. Like, <laughs> well, you're Canadian, right? Yeah. I just told one of my clients, like she was asking me about her own leadership. And I, I said to her, first of all, I blame Canada. And I said, I'm not joking because culturally you and, and people, there are many cultures where you're just meant to be so apologetic for like literally nothing. Oh yeah. And there, you're not allowed to like really take up space and yeah. So yeah. And now I've been living in France for a decade. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, like a massive again, trigger because I'm like, I just think the people here are so rude and uncultured, like, because they don't ever apologize. I actually just had a fight with my boyfriend the other day and I was like, why is he I French? Yes. Okay. Apologize. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like with my VA, I just realized like I wasn't, I wasn't standing up as a leader for her. And then I realized mm-hmm. Because I didn't feel like this is kind of hard to say because I didn't really want to go public with this because again it's not about like throwing people under the bus but I didn't feel like she was getting the results that I desired or like mm-hmm. expectations and so oftentimes there was mistakes being made and in me instead of telling her I would just go and fix it I just like yes you're for me pleasing yeah yeah but I was like that was my own lack of leadership right yeah it so, was and it's hard to admit that stuff, you know, so I love that you are. And that was one of my things too. And so I would let all these resentments build up because I was afraid to say anything. And now I just openly tell my team, like, listen, it is not easy for me to give feedback. I know it might think like it, or it might appear to be, but, um, it's not. Yeah. Well, I would way rather just be like, great, avoid it all. But I know that doesn't work. Well, especially if you're really like, because I'm really visual. So anything like film or graphics, like I'm like the definition of anal, like you just can't. Get <laughs> it. And those things are like, I'd love to be able to outsource it. I'd love to clone me and then have me work for me. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get like, it. You just can't, it's too time consuming for me to do all my graphics and all my editing all the time. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm in the process of hiring and trying to let go of the con- control. <laughs> It's not easy. Most of us are control freaks. Yeah. So I want to be mindful of your time, but um, I do have a few kind of like ending questions. Okay. Um, Let me see which order I want to ask this in. 
Okay. There was one we kind of talked about before I hit record. Mm-hmm. So just for those um, listening, and again, I want everyone listening to um, either come in the Facebook group or find us on social media. You can find the tags in the show notes to continue this conversation and tell us you know, where you resonate, if you agree, disagree. We want to hear it. Um, but a big thing that has been on my mind is um, removing the stigma around selling. And specifically, I know you have opinions on this, but yes. uh, in business building communities where you're there to help build and grow your business, but there's this whole like um, no promos allowed. And I was invited into this uh, Facebook group a few days ago. And one of the rules was no spamming slash selling. And so when you read that, it's like, well, is spamming a synonym of selling? Like, why do we, Mm, mm -hmm. why do we get this all mixed up? Obviously I know there's people out there, but tell me all your thoughts. Well, so there's different layers to this, like so many things, right? So I personally find that it's unfortunate that people feel like that's the way they need to sell. So whether it's DMing people, random pitches out of nowhere, just striking up conversations where someone's like pretending they care to get to know you when you know there's a pitch coming. And in fact, I now started sending like the open teeth, like emoji, like, I don't know if you're audience will understand what the heck I'm trying to do here, but I'll say like, why do I feel like I'm bracing myself for a sales pitch? I will literally say that to people a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And usually it's funny because if they're pitching me about a business product, I'm usually like, no, you you should probably be hiring me, sweetheart, because you don't know what you're doing. Like love you slash no. So here's my thing about the Facebook groups. If you scroll a big Facebook group that does allow promo, you're going to see a million super cliche photos of a girl in a freaking field of wildflowers with her arms outstretched talking about how you have to love yourself and nobody clicks on it. And it's like even more embarrassing because like the person who posts it has to love it themselves. And they're the only like on the damn post. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I see that all the time. Um, here's my feeling on, you know, using Facebook groups as a selling point. Um, I've actually gotten clients by just being helpful with answering people's questions and someone just noticed and like was like oh she obviously knows what she's talking about um something i'm not a fan of is someone trying to basically like utilize the blood sweat and tears that someone has poured years into so a good example of this is my friend angie lee she's got a facebook group of like who freaking knows how many tens of thousands of women in it Um, and I think Angie does allow promo. I don't remember what her rules are right now, but anyhow, the point is, is like, Angie's worked her ass off to build that. And I don't think it's right for me to go in and try to get all those girls into my Facebook group and then be pitching them. It's like, wait a second. She put in the work for that. It would be like, if you put on an event and you're inviting people into your mastermind, and then I'm secretly handing out flyers for my mastermind to everyone in the bathroom or something. And so I really think it's important for people to learn how to build their own audience and then be super respectful of the work that someone else had to put in. And I mean, we have to even do this in my own programs, like in, in sales power, my sales program, you know, we're very strict about people not selling and pitching to each other because I want it to be a safe environment. And it's also like out of respect for me, like, yeah, there could be other business coaches in there, but like, girlfriend, go get your own clients. You know, like I worked for these ones. You can go get your own. So there's layers to it, right? Like, and your question about the stigma, I think so much of it depends on the context. So, um, I hate to say this, but I think there should be a little bit of stigma of the more spammy types of selling 
because there's such better ways to do it. And I think what we all want are people raising their hands and coming towards us rather than us have to like desperately jump into somebody's inbox and like pray that they're going to be a yes to talking on the phone. Right. So like, this is kind of how I see it is one, be respectful of the work that other people have done um, to build up their community. Because if they have a strong community, I can guarantee they freaking like put in the time to cultivate that. Right. And then on the other hand, I just think a lot of people, again, like to kind of weave this back into something we talked about much earlier in our conversation is like, there's a skill set gap for a lot of people. And um, if that's the way that they're trying to get clients right now, it's not going to work as a long-term strategy. And so anyone who's doing that, and that's your only way, I would just suggest to you that you find a good business coach who can teach you like how to get people to come to you, which is just always a better sell anyway. So those are my thoughts. Yeah. That sounds kind of like the projector thing because I actually, Mm. um, I invested, this was in 2018, my first like five figure investment in a business coach and everything she taught me. I think this was the projector in me because it's like, we can't reach out to people. Like you have to quote, wait for the invitation. But I just felt like it was so icky to go into people's inbox. Like I just, I couldn't do it. I forced myself to do it just to be like, I did everything. Uh, And uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like when, if you are being authentic and genuine and putting yourself out there, um, then people will just naturally inquire. Like I just, like you just said, I had, I didn't even, it's funny. I've been testing my belief systems lately and I was like, good. Someone who doesn't know me will buy for me. And I, I don't even know. I think I just randomly commented, I don't know, on a Facebook post in a group. And I don't know, the woman checked me out, went through my sales funnel, yep. my offer and all that, and like bought my $700 like offer. And Beautiful. I was like, boom, like I didn't have any pre-conversation. She already knew that I could help her. And I was like, belief done, test it again, <laughs> like yep. work through it. But yeah, I think that, like you said, just showing up. So, um, what, what are like three quick tips you could give for people to like, how can they build their audience so they can have a more easy process of sharing their offers? Yeah. I mean, the lowest hanging fruit is using Instagram and Facebook and just putting out really awesome, valuable content as often as possible. I mean, up to multiple times a day, if you have the creative juices flowing and just putting really valuable stuff out there because people will want to follow and all of that. Um, the other thing that I like to do, cause I really like, um, association, right? So, um, you and I being associated. And then if like, let's say there's a photo that you and I posted, we're hanging out together in Paris. And then there's like two other ladies with us. Um, we could assume by association that because we're cool, they're also cool. So often when I see people associated with others who I don't know, I will friend those people because I'm like, Oh, well that's, that's a cool group of people. I know six out of eight of them. Why don't I check out the other two and and maybe let's connect. So I will also reach out to people who I just think are cool. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of it is about, um, you know, just putting great stuff out there and then creating invitations. So I know that you like to receive invitations, but you can also put out invitations. So, you know, something one of my clients did recently was um, she put on, you could call it a webinar. It was definitely like an online kind of workshop type thing and it was free. And 
you know, she put it out there in a few communities where it wasn't like super promo, but, you know, she posted it on her Facebook and then she posted it in a couple of Facebook groups where that type of invitation is allowed. And, you know, she got like 50, 60 new people on her email list just wow. from putting something out there. So inviting people to come to a free webinar or whatever, right? Like there's, there's just a lot of things that we can do. Obviously freebies that people can opt into and grab are a great way to build our audience. Um, there's lots of little low hanging fruit, but I think just showing up consistently sharing things that people value is an awesome way to start. Yeah. I love that. So on that topic, do you have anything um, going on right now? Do you have any like freebies or any offerings that you have going on that you want to share on? Yes. Yes. So we have um, a sales unleashed training. It's a video training. Uh, I think it's three videos. And I know that we're hooking you up with the link for your peeps to get that for free. So it'll go deeper into a lot of what we talked about already. So some of the mindset stuff around sales and then some of the strategy around sales that people can check out. I think it's a really great training, totally free. Um, and then otherwise I would invite people to follow me um, specifically on Facebook. I'm not, I need to get my Instagram game together, um, but you can find me on Facebook. It's Emily Utter. I know you'll probably link it or at least they can see the actual spelling of my name. It's not spelled like a cow's utter. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I am from Vermont. Um, so people are welcome to follow my content there on Facebook. And if you want to friend me and just shoot me a note so I know who you are, because you know, we get a lot of those random Facebook friend requests and we don't know why why are you yeah. here? So yeah. so yeah, those are a couple of great things to get started with if you want to check out more of my stuff. Cool. And you're from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm from yes. Ontario. <laughs> oh my gosh, how funny. Yeah, B Town. <laughs> yeah. So we called it B Town or Boring. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. And for those listening, come and continue the conversation with us on Facebook and tell us what resonated and what you struggle with. And maybe Emily will chime in and give you a few pointers. <laughs> thank you so much, Brittany. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brand Interrupted Podcast. I so appreciate you and your time. And to show that appreciation, I want to give you a free gift. Head over to untamedrevolution.com forward slash gift to get instant access to my free three-part Audaciously You on Camera video series, a step-by-step -step on how to share your story, craft your core message, master your energy, infuse your personality, and boost your charisma on camera so you can amplify your impact with video and turn viewers into dream clients. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, bisous from Paris. Ciao, ciao.